Oh, fuck. What? I don't have ION set up on my email. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the password is. What? I don't know what the password is. I'm going to have to send the link on Instagram. Man, what is the ION password? What is the... Fuck. No, we had to change it. when someone. No, someone logged into the Instagram, not the email. Hold on. What the fuck is the password? The ionpack at gmail.com. Forgot your password. The ion pod. <laughs> the ion pod. The ion pack. Ion bock. What are you doing right now? I'm sending I'm sending her the link in the Instagram. Oh. Back and have a commence. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Alright, let's do it. Jeremy, I like that you're on video. I just I think that video is important. I just, I don't believe in anonymity. You know, I don't, I actually don't have pants on. <laughs> Fassbender. Anything by Cassavetes. Reduced black ratio. Get me brackaged. Brain. Experimental film. Fassbender. What's up, guys? Hi. <laughs> I was about to say, if you've got a problem with anonymity, then we're the wrong guys. <laughs> I think I would join video because I don't want to leave Jeremy by himself, so I put pants on. This uh, this mosaic of images looks beautiful. Because yeah, I'm gonna screenshot this. Uh, who are the figures in these photographs? I, I feel like I should know who they are, but I don't. They're both Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> oh, Bach had a meaty face. He did. Jowl. Yeah, he was a he was a big guy. <laughs> uh, so a race. <laughs> we were actually talking about that. We were wondering if you if you guys made any assumptions about our race. <laughs> Um, I mean, it feels white. Yeah, if we were on Love is Blind, I would assume you were white. <laughs> but I feel like maybe one of you is black and one of you is definitely white. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's definitely on point. I mean, take a look at those avatars. <laughs> Did you, was, is that based on the previous podcasts or just based on the memes? Whoever's talking to us in uh, on Instagram feels like they could be black. And um, you're that. not. You don't agree, Jeremy. No, I disagree. Only because I think one of them outed themselves as white to me <laughs> over Instagram. That's why I think one is white, and I feel like one's black. And I think that one one person who I am on like an individual chat with, I'm like they feel like they are black. But that could be Jewish too. Always. <laughs> I think that if we were to, if we didn't know who the Safties were, we might think they could be black. I would never <laughs> think they were black. Oh my God! I would definitely know that they're Jewish. That's, that's Jewish energy through and through. Do I just wanted to make their day to day by telling them that for for me they have a black feeling. Well, and I think that it makes most Jewish men happy. Yeah, I think that Jews do have black feeling, but I don't think that they, um, outside of that black feeling, are um, black. <laughs> well. I'll throw you guys for a loop. Neither one of us is Jewish or black. Oh, you're just like regular white people. I guess you could say that. <laughs> is one Latino? He might be throwing you off a little bit. Okay. Watch yourself. Oh, Asian, brother. Asian. No, none of us have mentioned Asians. That's, yeah, that's a group. That that is a group. <laughs> Um, I, have, I have to say, Jeanette, first of all, let's let's introduce our guest for a second. We've right, got yeah, we jumped right into and it. Janixa Bravo, don't speak over me. Janixa Bravo, Jeremy O'Harris, here they are. Uh, I think only th uh, three of us have seen Zola. <laughs> two of them, two of us made it. Um, 
incredible movie. I don't know if you guys want to get into that first or if you want to talk about Sister Act. Did we all rewatch Sister Act 2 back in the habit? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, we did. Yes. Of course. That was the assignment. That was the assignment. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually long. had never seen two. <laughs> I had definitely That makes me so happy because one is better. One's way yeah, better. One's, <laughs> yeah, one's incredible. Two is, two is actually really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's like very slightly off it's it's extremely off so i i was like really taken by after the scene where uh whoopi gets glued to the chair by the students and then there's this whole funny sequence of her like scooting down the hallway glued to the chair and then after that the comedy is kind of just done it just decides to not really be a comedy anymore <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a weird parental abuse like narrative about Cheryl Lee Ralph wanting to like destroy her daughter's hopes and dreams. I know, like really oh, intensely. Right. Like she has to like hide the fact that she even has sheet music. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that her dad died wanting to do wanting yeah. to be a singer and and that's why she wants to squash her dream. Right, yes. but that's not really like expanded upon in any way they just it kind of is briefly mentioned once like he died out there trying to make it and i was like oh jesus christ and then this is never brought up again <laughs> you know, what's, fucked up, what's fucked up and jay you might feel this way too as a child that completely made sense to me because it, i was like yeah black moms just say no yeah <laughs> i remember i loved this movie as a kid and i remember that the relationship between uh between shirley ralph um and lauren hill i was like yeah that's my mom she's a dream squasher <laughs> <laughs> i understand that she's gonna stand in the way of hopes yeah absolutely uh but the, it's also th that whole aspect of it's really funny too because kind of like like everything else it's just like she just lauren hill just goes to the competition and her mom's like uh all right it's, it's randomly all good <laughs> like happy yeah, we're, really good we were talking yeah. about how there's just like this like impressionistic just like plot concept in the movie where like they're like oh we need to raise money suddenly there's just like a lit ass block party and just <laughs> like huge stage and microphones and speakers like thousands of people out of the blue it's like time to raise money <laughs> suddenly lit <laughs> the biggest plot, well there are two huge plot holes in the movie but the one that makes me really frustrated is that like so the students hate her, and then one day she's like, you guys are just going to re repeat this phrase. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. You mean, then, if you want to be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I would that, that would make me ma hate her more. Yes. That wouldn't make me be like, let's remix this. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the routine at the end, we, we there's no there's no like context for anything that they're doing. It's suddenly like this gigantic like hip hop. It's just like the montage to them getting there. Right, she's just sort she's of, like, already out there singing, and then they're like ready to go on stage, and they're like actually randomly like now it's a hip hop performance, and everybody just somehow has it down. It's also yeah. I love also that it's like she's like you know what take off your robes and I'm like they couldn't have done this with robes on it, yeah, right. they didn't rehearse that with the robes would have fallen down <laughs> and when was the rehearsal there was no rehearsal the montage was like like a two two and a half yeah it was as they were like we're only in this class so we can fly right through it and pass it without having to do anything and then Whoopi's around me like no actually you do have to do something everyone's like. Oh, okay, like instant montage, and now all of a sudden, like we're a choir. <laughs> I was waiting for the la 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 at the end, and we didn't. <laughs> we got they this. They do that. They rehearse la 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 for a lot of the movie. A long time. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole <laughs> montage. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a pretty long movie. It's, yeah, it's pretty short. long. Wait, what? What was the principal's name again? Like, who oh. could never remember her name? Oh, he's the very. The weirdest thing about him is like he he's the kind of you know s typical like stiff who is the the bad guy who wants who doesn't care about them. But like we never really like understand what his motivation for not caring that the school's closing it. He just kind of is that type of character concept. Like no, there's no like because then he's gonna get money. There's no right. There's no like yeah. I guess at anything. the end they kind of say it's because he wanted to retire early or something, but that was like <laughs> never. That was just randomly interjected at the end. He just he just we like didn't know him at all. Even during the weird lit block party that pops up out of nowhere when he walks in and like you see him like 
secretly kind of getting into it and you're like but i'm like but we don't even know this character like why like why is it weird that he's getting i don't know it's really just so conceptual but also the thing that's the most like retconny about the movie is that the end of the first sister act if you remember the pope literally comes and sees the sisters see <laughs> yeah. a right. new version of a hymn <laughs> and so that would have probably been maybe the biggest thing to happen to the catholic church in years like <laughs> some black like vegas showgirl reimagines catholic hymns and then like makes catholicism cool in san francisco and somehow three years later no one remembers yeah. who she is. <laughs> was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, the Rolling Stone. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's just love- instantly back, and no one recognizes her. But the but the white guy, the bad white guy who doesn't really have a character, he yeah. knows he kind of has seen her somewhere. Right. We know. Right. Yeah, he's like right from the, op- the the first scene we see him, he's looking at her like she looks familiar. But that still was like not that clear to me i don't know i think I love- the implication is maybe he saw her in vegas because it has like a ba- it has like a spice about it that he's seen right her i was i was wondering that but it's not explored deeply but there's some spice to it right the, well I, actually the weirdest thing about the whole plot to me was when he finally realizes who she is he's just like we we need and the other guys like should we tell the who, whoever's in charge of the uh, competition. He's like, no, we'll go down there and stop them ourselves. And then all of a sudden it's this like really intense car chase scene. <laughs> it's like, why, why, why did they have to stop them themselves? And then he like, doesn't that have a from? license and they're like, so we should have had a licensed driver. It's like, why is this dude driving? It's like, nothing it's makes like sense. the dude just tearing down the highway. They're like, um, maybe we should have picked someone who has a license to drive. <laughs> like, yeah, why didn't you? Yeah, it's like literally no reason. On the PCH, which is not the fastest way to get there. So right. I, I was like, how, why are they on the Pacific Coast Highway? He's made a big mistake. Right. It's uh, it's right. I actually, I somehow even know that. It's the one oh one, right? By, I was really struck by the fact that they decided to add men to this journey. And the right. men's only function was to provide the hijinks that the sisters used to provide. Right. And then in this version, the sisters just sort of like hang out and give sort of like solemn advice. Yeah, the sisters um, are like kind of like an afterthought in this one. It's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't understand. And then the weird kind of like <laughs> like pervy friar guy is really bizarre too. Which one was the pervy? I don't know, yeah, which, I, maybe pervy is uh, not the right word, but just the kind of like really kind of like off the math, the math teacher. Uh, he's the one who like shows her to the music room in the beginning. Yeah, there's the math. Teacher. Yeah, that's the guy. Wasn't he in Great the Green Mile too? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Wow. I remember my fa- that. My favorite Whoopi job in the movie is definitely the Clarence Thomas job. she's like sister mary clarence as in clarence thomas yeah 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 yeah. wait what about when that you meet the kids the scene that she meets them in class the song that they're singing is cold beans hay and collard greens what song is that? Yeah, what song is that? That'd be a nice Fiona Apple segue if we had that fucking oh, I wow. mean, that does sound like a Fiona Apple song because they were beating on the desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were using the classroom as an instrument. I'm, gonna, I'm Googling that song to see if it's a real song. Cold beans, hay, and collard greens. <laughs> hey, I don't think so. It's also really hard to find the soundtrack to the movie i i've worked yeah it. yeah i mean that was and that was the best part i mean lauren hill kills it i spread like strawberries i climb like bees and beans oh also mm. how they're kind of like like roasting the black power kid the whole time yeah, <laughs> yeah what is going on there? <laughs> like anytime well, I mean, he says something everyone's like okay okay oh you think a white person wrote it <laughs> I'm 90% sure. Uh, I want to understand the neighborhood in which those groups came together because like it felt they all lived in the same community but right. were and I guess were economically the same. Right. I think they're economically the same, but I'm like what neighbor what neighborhood is this in actually San Francisco where they all live together yeah. in a community? And there's so much strife. This is the only school. The idea of the school closing would mean they'd all have to get bus to where right. they're going. 
But also, there does seem to be one rich character, and that's Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was wondering that. <laughs> but she seemed like the the only person who's from like a classic Catholic school background. And yeah, I totally. Although, no, oh, I have her. to, I have to say though, I ha- respect for there being a token Guido. <laughs> well this this movie was directed by bill duke who's like that actor from menace to society and the director of the first sister act was uh who was it i mean it, it's a white it's a random white guy so and I, it, it does they do feel very different to me well yeah actually who did i know who direct we looked at who his directed emil, but who wrote his it. name's emil artelino he did he directed dirty dancing wow Three white guys wrote it, or two white guys and a white woman, I yes, think. Yes, yeah, all white written. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. So this. I love Judy Ann Mason's writing credit. I'm like, what's her story? <laughs> <laughs> like, because Judy wrote this and then, like, nothing else I've ever heard of. Oh, actually, she wrote on Good Times. Okay. Oh, wow. But only for a season. She was selected a different world for a season. Selected as one of Glamour magazine's top ten college women in 1977. She she's not written since '96, guys. (laughs) But according to IMDb, she is showing up. She died. That's why she hasn't written. Okay. Well, then that's why she died unexpectedly of a ruptured aorta. Oh. In 2009. 2009. Okay, so there was like a good decade and change. Since she stopped writing and, and she died. But her partner was like a very successful TV writer. Or no, he wasn't. Just kidding. I just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a bit player actor. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that you couldn't find the uh, Sister Act 2 soundtrack because you are seem to be an amazing archivist with the uh, with that Shamika uh, deck. That was Oh, thank you. That was a collaboration with Jeremy and I. Um, it's beautiful. I, I really, uh, I'm, visual research is my strong suit. I mean, Genix is like literally downplaying it. I have never <laughs> known someone who has such, she has a Pinterest brain. Like her brain actually catalogs like thousands of things based on like color, texture, size. Oh, right, the, wow. Reflectivity of light. It's like insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, I'll take it. I, I had this imagination that like I could maybe be a director because uh, a film director because so many films seem to be directed um, with a blindfold on. And then I started working with Janixa on Zola and I was like, oh, this is what a director does? Yeah, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I was like, oh, if I want to direct well, it has to be like this. And I don't know that I can do that. But you can just direct, so many people do. Everybody's a director. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a writer. Mm-hmm. And a photographer. And now everybody's a fucking podcaster. <laughs> Including you guys. How did this come about? Um, uh, we, we were forced into it. Yeah. By who? By SDP. Big shouts. Lucian Smith, big shouts. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Speaking of big how shouts. Your, how did your IG start? Big shouts. Um, <laughs> how did it start? It started because uh, we were we were working on something together, uh, a movie, and afterward we were sending each other a bunch of disgruntled memes in a uh, private group chat. And uh, oh right, and you sent me you sent me the first one, which I was gonna I was gonna tweet. Yeah, a twenty four. That's not mentioning it. It's for the heads. You can like scroll back if you. <laughs> if you want to see, yeah, but I, was gonna tweet. I want to know what you were going to tweet. Basically, I was going to tweet our first meme, which is uh, I don't even remember. I don't remember. I'll, I'll it, look it up right now. But it, 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 A24 it, is just Disney Channel original movies for uh, advertising majors from Bard. <laughs> <laughs> is that, was that inspired by eighth grade? Yes, it was yes. a movie. A movie that was was kind of upsetting for for me in the midst of something that we were working on. Um, I don't I don't know how comfortable you guys are talk. I mean, like. We should, we, we should be clear. We, we, li- we, we like A24, at least in the early stages. And now, of course, with Zola, since we're talking to you. But I, I was sort of curious if, if there was some commentary that you guys had on on, on, on working with A24 and, and how that yeah, was. Like, we're not you, just roasters. Would you recommend it to a friend? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> You'd recommend it. Mm-hmm. I recommend working with any white people on anything. So <laughs> white people have access to money and a lot of notes. And I think that notes are really important for movies. Interesting. <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna do a whole episode on notes. So so you so do you two take uh value there's you see some value in notes. I yes, actually value in notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh good or bad, especially if they're not good notes, um, it can really do a great job of reminding you what it is that you're actually looking for, especially if they're like in contradiction of the thing you're looking for. You know, right. I mean obviously also notes can be very emotional and very lonely, but I I think that they're really helpful with with calibrating what your intentions are. Right. Do you think, so you actually take them to heart? What? Do you actually take notes to heart, you think? I I never do. So that's why. Everything personally. Let's say, (laughs) let's, let's say you made Zola in a vacuum. How different does that movie look? Um, hmm. Jeremy? I mean, I think it depends because I think that does the vacuum include both of us or you know what I mean or are we in our own separate vacuums uh, yeah. no, I'd say, uh, we constantly gave each other notes and thoughts and then what became really interesting was like all the other people like Killer like uh, Rabbit Bandini like A24 who like had thoughts that they're called Ramona Jeremy. oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's not their name no but yeah vacuum includes both of you let's say that okay yes. I think it would look different, but I don't know that that different is it has any qualitative like um, shape to it, except it's it is different. It's maybe um, I I don't know if it's longer, but it definitely is weirder. Yeah. Right. No, yeah, I, yeah. notes are notes are underrated. I mean, I notes think- are. I feel like, you know, notes in like the sort of studio sense or the exact sense is is its own thing. And then for the individual, as I'm sure Jeremy, I do, and I'm sure you guys do, you have your people who you actually want notes from. And I right. think that the the skill set to note giving is not how you would make it, what it's how the person is trying to make it or what they're right. going to say. And I think that the more people involved in making a project, the more producers there are, the more creatives that there are that you're inviting to the table, it's it's sussing out the note behind the note or trying to find connective tissue as to what it is everyone is missing because it's always about what's missing not what's actually there right yeah Yeah, so i i would but notes are probably more valuable from someone who doesn't have stake in it right like your your people who you want to show it like that that's who you actually want to listen to right yeah exactly like someone who would be an audience member yeah totally but you know it's also still about the person who gets you. I mean, I feel like when I'm writing something or if I'm showing a first draft of work, it's a very small group of people that you're inviting into into that experience because it is really fragile and it is super sensitive and watching rough cuts or reading first drafts, second drafts is, you know, I mean, we've all created things that we later feel good about that in the early stages are a little embarrassing or a little bit, you know, um, delicate. Right. How about for writing? How did you, did you feel that sense of like, maybe the script wasn't there at certain different points or, or was that collaboration just between you two? Like how many other, how many voices are, how many cooks are in the kitchen for that? Um, on Zola, we had about 11 producers. Um, and I would say though our, our writing or our nesting was, pretty small in that it was really between the two of us. And then when we would share, we would share to a smaller group of people. Um, and, and then when it was in pretty good shape, we would shared it to a larger, a larger group of people. Yeah. And it was like really interesting for me because like, you know, with Jay, it was like, I had never written a movie before. Nick's had written multiple movies and I was coming in, um, kind of uh, really excited, but like completely at like 
like a, a rookie being asked to like go to war for the first time. And so in a lot of ways, she put me through like the hardest boot camp I could ever go through. And it was like, you know, I, I've been watching um, Attack on Titan recently. And um, it's like a really good anime. But um, there's a whole, Janixa was like, what the fuck is that? Um, <laughs> but um, my, uh, my favorite part is the early episodes in their training. Um, because it reminded me of working with Janixa where it's like, I definitely didn't have all the skills I needed to like be a good partner in writing a screenplay, but she always knew that I had the like gumption to do it. And so she pushed me past my limits and like taught me so much more than I would have been taught had she um, just like left the project without me or like gone, gone away without me or had like um, not pushed me as much as she did. I don't think, if, I think if I had had a less rigorous director, everything that we made would have been really shitty, you know? But yeah. Janix and I have like a really great brain together. And like when we started working, it was just like, like she helped me fix the things that I couldn't figure out. And like, I got to like be a good voice when she was fully in the script uh, to just be like, oh yeah, that's, you're totally doing it the right way or you're totally doing X, Y, or Z. And so it, it made the notes process um, generative, but rigorous which i think is all you ever want right yeah yeah that's I important just, i feel like people like I, I don't know maybe i'm wrong but is it just like i feel like people are seem to be collaborating less and less in recent years like people that i am around does anyone know what i'm talking about yeah I, maybe it's just like a product of like there's less time because everyone's like busier and like working more like well, it's incredibly arduous also yeah uh, i mean i am curious what if the if the same will be coming out of this right um i think this space has been very lonely and yeah. so out of this maybe there is the desire to have an engagement with another person or persons mainly to just stay on track because I feel like left to my own devices. And I, I think Jeremy definitely can relate to this. It's a bit hard to activate in this moment um, when all of the days run into each other and feel equally long and short. Totally. Well, I mean, that also might be like, like when this is over, everyone's going to have such like. A, when is that? Whenever this is over. I was like, when, yeah. when is it over again? Yeah, I, I <laughs> couldn't tell you. But, like, everyone's going to have such a, like, trove of work that people are seriously going to be in need of some notes. So share your stuff with your friends. <laughs> listen to their notes. Do you yeah. feel like you guys are working right now? That's I was like, yeah. Is oh, there definitely. A we're, like, working on lots of big projects. <laughs> oh, amazing. No, but I, I actually, feel I feel like I, I the first, like, month of this I, me, I think both of us were like incredibly unproductive. I don't know why. Just like the just the nature of the yeah, days running into each other and and sitting around just like fed into itself and made me lazier and lazier. But then something snapped and I actually have been better than ever the past well, few well, weeks. Yeah, li living in a major city, you kind of you, you have all these temptations to go out and do things and. You end up having a lot of guilt about it, and I'm, I, I think I'm just now like fleshing out all of the guilt that I had for not just kind of sitting down and focusing and have some sort of work ethic or discipline, and kind of focusing on things that I actually give a shit about, rather than like you know hitting hitting the metrograph eighty five <laughs> nights in a row. Right. Well, that that was a, that that was like the weird thing for me being in this stage of my life. I feel like I was at a point where I was like, I can't like work on anything, and I feel completely uninspired all the time, but there's like nothing happening in my life because I don't like go out and do anything because I don't, I feel like I should be working, but then I can't work because I'm not inspired by anything because nothing's going on. But if I go out and try to have fun and get inspired, I feel like this weird guilt, like I should be working. And then if I'm working, I'm like, I'm bored as hell. I'm not inspired. I should be out. And then it just like was, you know, this like horrible endless loop. And then this quarantine thing kind of hit the reset on that, which is maybe the, good aspect of it yeah i bet one of the great things is that i'm sure for many people who have this privilege you go you look at what you've actually created or what what your output has been and perhaps it allows for some looking inward and asking 
what, how, how I, how do I want to actually spend my time when it feels so small? Um, and it feels, you know, I think your sense of value perhaps increases or, or you realize, you know, what actually matters to you. And so where you want to put your energy. I mean, I've definitely thought about that. I've also had random like money anxiety that I have never had just out of a fear of the, the thing that I feel I am most equipped for is directing. And that feels the farthest away than it's ever felt. And and I then sort of have anxiety around, around just like work and living. and, And today I was thinking about like, what are, what are actors, how are actors doing in this moment when so much of your purpose is about a community of people? Um, Like how, how that looks, because at least, you know, I can, I think from what I've heard from the two of you, um, you are also writers and, and, you know, I am also a writer and Jeremy is a writer. So there is, even if you're not getting a lot done right now, you do have an access to totally to expend that muscle right like if i if i for people who don't write or do anything that they can do by themselves like that like someone like an actor or or a performer someone who's mainly an actor or performer uh, it, it must feel completely insane like someone who likes to write this is probably you know there's a there's a blessing aspect to having to stay inside for months you know we can always put that time to good use different either you know i mean like yes it does feel different but if most of your time is if most of how you make is sitting in front of a computer alone in your home yeah exactly you're kind you're you're back in that uh back in that cycle you can find you can find that routine for yourself because it probably doesn't feel so dissimilar you're back in the habit you're back in the (laughs) habit exactly (laughs) But I think I feel complicated about my prospects as a writer in some ways, or I have felt complicated about it. It's because, you know, so much of my practice as a writer has been like like dreaming and attempting to manifest some future for this thing I was working on. And I feel like for the last, especially in that first month, the future felt so dark and unknown. And it's like, how does one write for a theater if one doesn't know what a theater will look like when someone's seeing it, right? So it's like, I, I genuinely like to write towards um, a, a, an audience that I will be a part of, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm always thinking, like, what is it going to be like to sit in a room and watch this thing I've written? And I'm like, oh, well, what if the thing that I'm writing won't happen in a room with uh, that feels full? It'll only happen in a room that feels a quarter full. Like, that's an entirely different thing. And I think that really debilitated me for a second. Even thinking about the screenplays I was like working on and like, you know, I've worked on these two studio movies right now. And like the idea of like knowing that like a month ago, everyone was like, it's gonna be like, whatever. Like we're in the, it it always felt like we were in a bubble, but they were like, it's money for years. Like who gives a fuck? Like if you want 75 things to explode in this movie, do it, you know? And now I'm like, but is that gonna be financially like possible or even like something I'm gonna wanna see in two years or I know. You know. Like, also, um, how are they making that movie? I think uh, I have a question. I have two questions for you, Jeremy, as you're talking about yeah. this because I've been thinking about like the studio film, and I guess I'm like, are you thinking about your uh, the audience you're writing for more than you have before? And are you thinking about like the? I think you just said it, which is like, what do you want to see two years from now, a year and a half from now? And then my third is sort of like for the, that size of movie, like when is that size of movie going to happen? Because I think that realistically, for me at least, when I think about directing again, I'm like the next time that happens, it's going to be a chamber piece, right? Like if it's going to happen soon, it's going to be something that's basically theater. It's going to have that kind of intimacy. It will have to be a controlled environment. So I guess right. a movie with a 400 person crew just seems like everyone starts to die soon. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, you're like, so we're all dying. Like it's some sort of like, uh, like Agatha Christie, like, and one by <laughs> one, they all fall down. And then they're not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess, so I'm just curious, are you thinking about that? I think I am. And I feel like what keeps happening is that I bring that stuff up in meetings and everyone's like, <laughs> you're crazy. 
Anyway, um, so <laughs> the scene that you're working on right now, it feels a little small. So how about, how can we make this bigger? You know, world built, you know? And I'm like, right, right, right. Yeah, I was just sort of thinking that maybe it would just have to take place in like, just a two person bunker, um, because I'm thinking that like, you know, the sort of, uh, uh, what's that movie? The sort of George Miller version of this might not exist, right, when we come back. Right. Um, but, but I mean, I think I just have to go on what other, because again, like, writing a studio movie is so different than what we did jay you know where like you know so much of what we had to do was like the, the like it's it's like the opposite because like i'll never forget that one of the big moments that i was so proud of was this scene that me and Janixa had built that was gonna happen in this like hotel that had like all these people in it and it was gonna and it was there was gonna be all these people doing like the cha-cha slide or something what what was it the cupid it, it, shuffle yes <laughs> We're doing the cute shuffle at this like convention center in Florida, and then like the script came back, and then Jenkins will call me. She's like, "Yeah, so Jeremy budgets. Um, that's something that we had to talk about writing wise because, um, yeah, that's gonna be real expensive." I was like, "Oh yeah," and I think now the opposite is happening. Where like I got really used to writing an indie movie. And now everyone's like, no, you are at a studio. You right. are writing a movie. Right. Like, make it big. Movies. Movies. They're big. Well, okay. That's actually, I don't I don't have a full conclusion from this train of thought, but, I, okay, hear me out. I was thinking about how, well, I was reading about how concerts aren't supposed to be back until, like, at least a year from now. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I was like, oh, they're probably talking about, like, concerts as in, like, Madison Square Garden and like maybe something slight some like terminal five something like pretty big but smaller shows are going to start happening way earlier and i guess it's the same probably for theater and you know crews in a film production like all the smaller things the smaller it is the earlier it'll come back so that's going to create an interesting dynamic to how things get made because people who want to work on a large scale whether it's live performance music or theater or making some type of short or show or movie or anything you're going to have to come back on a small scale first so people who work on really large scales are either going to have to just wait it out or they're going to have to find a way to do something else on a small scale to to get back in the game earlier which could be a really cool thing if you have like lots of big you know directors and and producers and writers working for smaller audiences it could end up but it sounds like what Jeremy's saying is that maybe the people don't give a fuck. They're just, they're yeah, just I was going to say, I think that, this, well, that, yeah. that idea is imagining that we work inside of like ethical capitalism yeah. that I don't think we do. And I think that if anything, people who can finance those smaller movies are going to be like, fuck that. Like, who knows that that's going to not shut down and like not give those monies to the smaller movies. And people who have the big bucks are going to be like, you know what, we're going to use those big bucks to like convince Joe Biden or whoever. <laughs> To like push us through um, bodies and deaths, be damned. You right. know. Well, okay. I guess. Um, I guess. Okay. So I guess this is us here at the Ion Pod calling on Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like just independently rich people to just throw some money in the game. Do your part. Bring small things up as soon as we can. No, I, I mean, I really, really hope that more wealthy people try to do that because they're investing in other things. Like right. rich people are still buying art like crazy right now. Right. Yeah. And, and like fashion sales are going up too, which is really bizarre. Um, <laughs> but rich people are at home just being like, I don't know, should I go on Sotheby's and buy something? And they're like, yeah. They're trying, like, to, they're neighbor, trying to get a new COVID fit. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbors work in fine jewelry and they even have people who are like, hey, so I want to buy this $10,000 ring. I work for the NHSS so I get discount, but also I want that ring next week. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, it must, it must feel good to already have a sick fucking movie in the can. It I mean, does it does? I, I don't. I mean, Jeremy's making a face. I think. Um, <laughs> or does it feel I, like long and protracted and annoying? I feel like the movie had this. There was a three-year gestation. I'm. I'm right now. I think I'm on the anniversary of it being three years, and the window that we have found ourselves in right now is the is that like final act 
and that final act is the 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 release the the celebration the you know shoulders dropped i did the thing you know it's the life cycle of from seed to sprout and uh well that isn't what's happening um we're in the ellipsis you know we're in the dot 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 and so i i feel like there is the fantasy of what this whole experience looks like the whole arc of the 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 arc of every experience from you know the script stage to shooting to release and we got a taste of it at Sundance. We got a taste of that feeling. And now it exists, you know, in um in this rather nebulous kind of territory, which is is super frustrating, obviously. And also I think I'm just I feel ready to be done. You know, I want yeah. to close the loop. I want to close I want to close the loop so that I can move on. You know, some of my block or some of my my issues with like moving forward and getting being able to excite myself about the next thing is that I'm not done with this. This is still hanging over my head. And um and I need to figure out how to how to mourn and pivot from that. That it's not how I wanted it to be. So I'll mourn and then I have to pivot. And I haven't exactly figured out how to pivot yet because I'm still in some stage of grief about it not not getting the climax, so to speak. Right. Well, and like, yeah, trust the process. It's never like, well, <laughs> it's never how you plan it. It could, it could be worse. You could be premiering on Amazon Prime with South by Southwest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be, I guess, though, if you've made a short and you're getting to premiere in that way, that's, you know, it still feels like it has a life. And yeah. there is something very tragic about, you know, I, I haven't talked to her, so this is this is just sort of my thoughts on it. But I, I know, you know, for Eliza Hitman, whose movie premiered at Sundance and then went yeah. to Berlin and did very well at both of those and and came out, I think, the week the word pandemic was used. Um, and then now, is, you know, then was taken to the, the iTunes, Amazon space. I imagine for her and other people who've had that, that um, sort of... Ev- final that that that's where their movies have gone that it's i imagine that that feels bad that said i think if we were going to have a digital release i think that it's how you eventize it right like so that it doesn't feel like it's doomed or it's going to some kind of graveyard so it's like taking a hold of the reins and and making that an event also well, I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about Sundance and how that was for you, and and how it feels now. Yeah, I mean, at least at the very least, I think having that experience, whether it was you know compromised or not, I think m- must have felt like something. Yeah, I mean, I, Jeremy and I had very different experiences. <laughs> lay, lay it the fuck on us. <laughs> Jeremy, you can speak on your experiences. I collect my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I had only ever been at Sundance as a critic. And I, the last time I was at Sundance, I interviewed Janixa about um, a short film she had in the Frontiers Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a part of a series of interviews I was gonna do with her about her film that was premiering at South By. And I made a, and I got into a heinous car accident right afterwards. Oh, yeah, and like it was like a really bad thing. I had like concussions and et cetera. And I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't go back to Sundance until I had a film there. I was just like, I don't want to do this again because it's really fun to be like an observer of the world, but I knew I was like transitioning into a maker. And so to show up at Sundance and not only um, have the movie premiere to the sort of raucous uh, excitement that it was um, that it was met with but to also be there with one of my best friends and my idols, like truly like Janixa, what, I, I was like this weird freak that would go around being like, Janixa Bravo might be the best filmmaker to ever have a film at Sundance. Everyone's like, the, sh- the woman who's made shorts? I'm like, yes, bitch, shorts. <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like, I think her shorts oh. are better than most people's films. I was like, I don't know if the film ever has to be longer than 15 minutes. Like, Facts. so if you're <laughs> like, she can keep doing it. Um, and so to go there and to have like, you know, this person who I think is like truly special, um, get the first review of the festival, of one of the first like major um, sort of glowing reviews of the festival in Vanity Fair um, made me 
really excited. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a, it was surreal, you know, but there was also, you know, the Sundance of it all where like I walked outside at one, uh, it, during one day and someone came up to me and congratulated me on my film. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. They're like, yes, we loved Miss Juneteenth so much. And your work <laughs> on that was phenomenal. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I was at another party and someone said, hey, Terrence. Terrence, Terrence, why are you ignoring me, Terrence? And I turned around and I was like, Terrence Nance? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not him. <laughs> so that was sort of the like, the good and the bad of my Sundance. <laughs> I did have someone stop me on the street and ask for my autograph um, because they thought I was, shit, I just forgot her name. Uh, she was on SNL. I can see her face. What's her name? Who do oh, I oh, like yeah. black on SNL? Like she's yes. a regular yeah. SNL? She was yeah, she on was, SNL. I don't think she's on it now. She was the first black girl on SNL when they like hadn't had a black girl for like a decade. Right. Uh, oh, fuck. Sashir, right? Sashir is Sashir's the motto. Yes. This guy, this, this young guy oh. came up. And he was like, I've gotten everybody's autographs that I've wanted to get at Sundance. And yours is the only one I haven't gotten. And I was like, <laughs> oh, really? That seems weird. And then he pulled out her headshot from his jacket. And he, I was like, oh, baby, you still not going to have that. Um, because <laughs> and he, we had a little exchange where he was like, oh, come on, just sign it. And I was like, but it's not me. <laughs> just sign it, not her. I can't. Um, no, I, anyway. You should do that. As, as you guys get bigger and bigger, you should just always sign every autograph for everyone that everyone thinks you are and just no matter see, who the black person is yeah just exactly and then like eventually it'll like start it'll, it'll all become memes like someone like it'll get posted on twitter and it'll just become a thing like <laughs> jeremy has signed like 50 autographs this year that aren't him i had I the did, first there, day we were there oh no go on go on i was gonna say the first day we were there there was that insane thing was it the hollywood reporter oh yeah yeah. Or no, like, Variety. It was Variety. It was Variety. Was like so excited, like most excited films to premiere at Sundance. And like the leading photograph was of Janixa, um, they said. Um, but it was actually a picture of a woman who was like a, a, a like a extra. She was extra <laughs> and a beach bum. Um, oh, shit. And I remembered her because when I saw the beach bum, she was sitting next to me and she turned to me at, I was with my editor Joy uh, and we were watching the beach bum and she turned to us and asked if we liked the movie. And so like we remembered her face. And so when <laughs> Variety released this thing of like, so excited movies were most excited for it, And it was her picture. I was like, Oh my God, that's the extra from the beach bum. Because in the scene where she asked if we liked the movie, she was like, that's me. And she was topless. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I like it, I guess. Um, Sundance for me was, you know, I'd been there a few times. The last time I was there was with my last feature, Lemon, which um, was received really well. And um, <laughs> people really liked it, really got it, really championed it, really got behind me. Um, and, and so <clears throat> there was a part of it that was amazing because it was the opposite of what that experience had been in a lot of ways. And I felt very liked and, and loved. And I felt that people really got the movie and the movie is, is weird, uh, but it made sense. It wasn't like the weird thing that Jeremy and I had, had sort of built that then Joy and I built that was so small and interior, it then had legs and people really took to it. So that was, wonderful and it seemed like people who were writing about it also got it so that was amazing i think that especially now looking back on it i wish that i had allowed myself to enjoy it more um i feel like i was waiting to be able to enjoy it i was waiting to right. I, was, I was going when it comes out that's when i'm going to like celebrate the right. win and so i was working you know park city it's work it's not it's not that fun you're you're talking the whole time you're having the same conversation i felt like i said the same words every day 
Um, <laughs> and, um, and I could like hear myself saying the same words. You start to like invent new sentences about the same thing right. that you're talking about just to try them. Um, and you're like, no, that one doesn't feel good. I'll go back to the one that I know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was really curious. I think also the movie, the movie wasn't all the way done. So there was still work to be done. And I was still very much like, I have to go back to LA and work on this. Um, but it was, it was fine. I mean, I'm glad we had it because we, that's, that's basically our, that was our premiere. That was it. And I don't, I don't know that we'll get, we won't ever get, it won't ever be like that again. So in looking back on it, uh, it was really special. And I'm, I'm glad we had that, especially for the cast, you know, I think they really deserve to be able to, to take in the pleasure of the of the of the completion of it, and not only the cast, but also the real person who it's based on, yeah. uh, who wrote the Twitter story, like that she got to have that, that they all got that. So I, I'm I'm grateful that we got it, even though I think we probably got three of Corona there. <laughs> um, it's a really good environment for it. So, it <laughs> so we got a little bit. Of all the stories about it being the petri dish that might have brought it to America. I wasn't engaging with that. I saw <laughs> you sent me that Hollywood Reporter article, and I was like, I don't need that. Thank oh, you. I did not see that. <laughs> well, I highly recommend it. Just go to the Hollywood Reporter and look up Sundance. It'll be the oh, first article. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm definitely of the opinion, and I think some people don't agree with me about this, is that, like, I was in that room with Eccles with both of you. I remember seeing both of you, and I, I, I felt a good energy from both of you, and the energy in the room was was electric. And, like, I, and, you know, you've, I've been to, you know, screenings in New York or L.A. when a movie finally comes out, and there's, there's really nothing like, I think, the, the win of that first festival premiere. Like, I don't know outside of, like, career prospects if it if it gets better than that maybe that's just like being there as an audience member or just like because i'm jealous or what it is but like i'm just like this is the fucking peak right here for the for these people at least for this project and that's it it's, i mean it's sort of like a wholesome tangent but i just wanted to congratulate you guys because it seems really sick in the moment it was, I mean, it's an, it's an audience movie. I mean, it's a comedy, right? So I feel like when you make a comedy, it's to be, and I'm sure this is probably the same of making a uh, horror in that, like the audience is so much a part of that experience. It's as close as you're going to get to the feeling of theater, right? Like in making comedy and making horror, like that the whole audience is on the journey, right? Like it was so, I was sitting in the same row as my editor and to be able to look at her when the jokes landed, you know, and the jokes that we were like, no one thinks that like, oh, we're the only ones that are laughing at that every time we've watched it. And we're like, yes, yes, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> so that that was really special. Um, I think the only the only thing that could top that would be I, for both of us being able to screen the movie in an all black audience, like at, you know, a theater, Harlem, a theater in Atlanta, like to have because I feel you want people talking at it, you know, and saying yeah, things right. at it and yelling at it. And that would be the only, because Sundance is ultimately, you know, like very um, white. Um, and that room is also <laughs> very the driven snow. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so people are very behaved, well behaved. So I think you want rowdiness, you want screamers. Yeah, that's also just like, the, like weird, like, I mean, I guess it's for the best in most cases, but like this kind of film etiquette of like, oh, I'm a serious moviegoer. I'm dead silent. I don't move a muscle, but it depends on the movie. <laughs> but it was fun because we definitely got some people to move muscles in ways that I don't think they were ex like thought they would. Like there's one montage um, in the movie um, that you'll probably remember. And there's like this moment where I heard like this, these gasps of like surprise and disgust move to the audience in a way that a body couldn't control <laughs> and that for me is like always a win totally like i don't know i was just gonna mention jay i don't know if you know this but like we're basically i think actually on the day three years ago when we were at sardis together and you asked me if i would be able to write the movie really Mm -hmm. Oh, look at that. Yeah. It was the week after the tony announcement happened and we were both in town and oh. that was when you, yeah. That's so it's so kind of crazy. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. This is a really wholesome Ion Pod episode. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do also have to say, in in our in in a in a in the Ion Pack where we do make fun of the A twenty four guys, which is fun to do because they it, they 
I mean, it's just like, it's fun to make fun of big dogs because like they yes. get to be the biggest dog in the pack. And it's wild to think about them in relationship to um, Scott Rudin, who produced Back in the Habit. Yes. So I, think that, like, <laughs> I was going to mention that. Yes. Yeah. Because I think for our generation, they're becoming like a new, like Scott Rudin-esque like environment, right? right? Like yeah. they, they can't not make a hit. So I can't wait for their Back in the Habit. Um, <laughs> or their Clueless Act. There's a Sister um, Act 3, I think. There is a Sister Act 3. Yeah, and Whoopi's um, directing it, right? Uh, is she? Because I... She said she like, wanted to. I don't know if that was confirmed, though. Two or three years ago, um, someone had asked if I was interested. And I was like... Whoa. Whoa. What? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I mean... Bring back the mob. The mob is needed. <laughs> inside sure. of yeah, please be in world. it and please sneak an eye on pack <laughs> reference into it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, that no, would be the good for that... something like that. I don't, I don't think I would... I think I could ru I would ruin something like that. Just be in it. Just make oh, no. a cameo. Oh, no, Janixa, Janixa. I remember you talking to me about this, and your idea was so good. It was. Yes, it was like because weren't you gonna do it where she was like on drugs or something? I don't recall. That. <laughs> I don't think I recall that. I don't. I I think I do. Maybe maybe I'm confusing you with someone else. <laughs> Another black. And maybe I'm competing with another black, but I, I, oh yeah, I that was, was I think that was the girl from SNL. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's another black. I don't remember that. Here's the mod. I maybe talk about this on a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, it was Tashir's Amada. That's it. No, but I was gonna say about the the guys from A24. The the thing that's fun is that they are the only execs that I text with consistently mm -hmm. um about like movies and shit that's happening in the world um and that's i don't know it's kind of fun to know that like in the midst of this three-year journey we i've also been able to like get some semblance of like uh camaraderie with yeah. people who are like working on a movie totally making, you know? right so what you're really trying to say here is big shouts to them <laughs> not big shouts more like a like sort of a lol shout out you know oh, yeah. I mean? like, well i only have one sound bite so we're gonna give him a big shout <laughs> i mean yeah our philosophy is to always roast upwards and in in with a good heart and you know big dogs are big dogs they've, they've got power and uh it's it's funny to roast people who are, to, uh, to, to both of us much more successful than you right but to both of us being roasted is like the ultimate sign of of making it i if someone made a meme about me my life would be made that's why when people get so offended it like really blows my mind i was roasted last night on the good fight really? <laughs> what was the yeah. roast um so they they did an episode based on slave play last night oh um and it was really funny because there's like all these like slave play haters online. They were like, oh shit, look, they got Jeremy O'Hare so bad. I can't wait to see him go online and complain about it. And I was like, wait, complain about what? They just gave my play way more, like a huge international audience yeah. than they had before. And also, this is hilarious that they think I would ever wear an ascot three times in a row. <laughs> Am I that much of a faggot? Like, is that what they're talking I think that's what they were trying to tell you. <laughs> they're like, you walk around all these faggy ascots. I'm like, I've never worn an ascot in my life. I, I'm not going to say that word because I don't know if I'm allowed to anymore. I don't think you are. It's 2020. It's, oh, is that is that not allowed in 2020? In 2020, that's not allowed. It gets you canceled uh, unless you apologize and identify as one actor. Like this <laughs> okay, so if I said it, I would then have to come out and then be like, I'm sorry, it's because I hate myself. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. This kid on TikTok did that this week. He was completely canceled because he did a, um, he did a, a April Fool's joke and came out as bisexual. got to say, the kid looks pretty... You know, sexual? yeah. I mean, I'm putting my I'm putting my wrist down. Um, but he looked kind of, you know, and um, and so, but then the next day he was like, "Just kidding, guys. That was a joke. I'm straight." And everyone was like, "You're canceled now. You can't like come out as a joke." And then he wrote this Huffington Post article article yesterday. It was like, "Actually, guys, I am bisexual." And I said I wasn't because I was scared of actually being called gay. But I am actually, and please accept me. And all the kids are like, we accept you again. Well, yeah, he played it safe and said he was bi because now he can still just go sleep with women and it doesn't matter. He can just be like, oh, I'm not in the mood for, for a guy. I'm still bi. Yeah. And he just yeah. avoids the whole cancellation. 
That was my tactic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one thinks you're bisexual. Well, I mean, I got rid of that tactic when it became more cloudy to say that you were gay. Like, mm-hmm. full gay. Um, like you know, I'm trying to get in the Ryan Murphy um, world. So, you know, get those big bucks. So I was like, guys, I am gay. Get those Give big gay bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm black and gay. Moonlight Oscar is coming to me next year. It's done. Yes, it is. <laughs> Are there Oscars? <laughs> all, 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 stream, all streamable films are Oscar eligible, apparently. Oh, really? Well, good for them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I have to go soon. Yeah, no, this was great. This, and, this was um, yeah, and there's there's not going to be Oscars, but there will be Paxkers. We're announcing that right now. Oh, what is are that? Are you going to do those? Yeah. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, that's our version of the Oscars. We'll be hosting it. Are you guys trying to compete with the Ellie Awards? We're trying to compete with the Academy. <laughs> well, you know that little girl from eighth grade made her own award ceremony last year. Oh, and Elsie. It was so much more popular. Oh, oh really? I didn't know that. But uh, she got so many retweets. She got like a million retweets on her um, her her Oscar wins. Big shout Did she give herself an award? <laughs> no, she 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 gave awards to like a lot. She 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 sort of over awarded, I think. Um, like I think the entire cast of Little Women got an award, and I was like, that's not fair. Um, but it's her award ceremony; she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Well, it's like a Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards kind of <laughs> rubric. <laughs> yeah, which, which is also the rubric of eighth grade Bo Burnham and Elsie Fisher. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jay, I will say that is the thing that I'm most sad about is that there are no MTV Video Movie Awards or whatever yeah. that we can win this year because I wanted a big thing of popcorn. Zola is the most Moon Man fucking movie I've uh, ever he seen. Can, he could have totally won an MTV Award at the very least. We're gonna we're awarding that to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You got an MTV Award. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, could you, but could you imagine, like, if you did get an MTV award? To me, that would be the biggest deal. Oh, definitely. That's the coolest yeah. fucking thing. Well, the MTV yeah. Video Music Awards were amazing, too. I yes. think the biggest deal. Wait, Jay, remember, can we tell the joke about our BET award that we would get for the movie? Yes, please. Go for it. <laughs> so we said since the beginning of working on Zola that Riley Keough would most likely win Best Supporting Actress at the, at the BET Awards. <laughs> or the NAACP. Or, or the NAACP because she's she plays one of the best fake black girls I've ever seen. Um, and I'm really excited for that to be recognized by the community. Also because like Riley is beloved by black people. <laughs> She's done it more than once. She's great. She is. And I think someone needs to recognize that. Is this what you guys were laughing about during the uh, IndieWire sit down at Sunday? Oh, right. We have a question for you. <laughs> there's, there's, you can look at this later. but No, we, put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Uh, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll send it in the chat. But there's a moment at 4.01 in this IndieWire sit-down with Eric Cohn where Riley looks over to you and starts to kind of <laughs> giggle a little bit. And, and you give like, her a serious look, you, like, not right now. Her, you jo- yeah, you give her, like, a teacher whoopy look, and you're like, stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know what she was laughing about. Yeah, I don't know. If, am I allowed to say what I was laughing about? I don't know if we're there yet. That's up emotion. to you. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. Um, you can take this out. Pro- yeah. Private combo. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say what we were laughing about because it might be aggressive. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'd love it. Um, uh, yeah, it's something I would love to talk about. It's just the time isn't the time isn't right now because we don't. It doesn't exist. So until the movie exists, but promise you'll have us back, and I'll tell yes, you. Yeah. I'll tell you. Actually, and for posterity, here's a quote from from our boy had this kind of scrappy DIY New York filmmaking mentality that we just don't see enough of anymore. Big shouts. Big shouts. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can cut it off there. I know you got to go. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for yeah, having I mean, us. And, yeah, thanks for, you know, braving being the first guest of the Ion Pod. I think it went really well because we're great at this. <laughs> can't, can't wait, wait, we're to... not the first guest, are we? Yeah, you are. We are. What? Yeah, we have a ho- we have a host of others, but this is the first one we're recording. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Look at uh, us. Yeah, you you were a little better than than me, I think, but maybe I'm being too hard on myself. He he's been 
You know, I, okay, last story. Uh, the only other interview we've ever done as the Ion Pack was uh, Gaspar Noe, and I slept through it. Wait, you did? <laughs> he, he only you wanted one up, person, so, so we had to decide it. between the two of us uh, who was going to be on the call, and we decided on me, and like, we wrote, luckily we wrote the questions together and stuff, but uh, the interview was at 11 a.m., I set a bunch of alarms, I woke up at 12. <laughs> I remember just like looking down, seeing twelve, and being like, "Oh fuck!" And he called me, and he was like, "I did it, dude." But what the fuck? <laughs> so we were, that we was were the only that was gonna happen today because we both keep insane sleep schedules. And yeah, I was we like, "Dude, you might be on your own this one." But I woke up. I'm good. <laughs> you I live completely nocturnally. Yeah, we have really shitty sleep schedules. I yeah. think like uh, we both go to bed really. I go to bed very late and wake up very early, which is like garbage. Um and then feel just sort of cracky for most of the day. Yes. Uh, so I understand. Yeah, I understand. that's what it takes to be a creative working on big projects. Yes, exactly, exactly. I can't wait to get back in the habit with both of you. I can't wait to either. Thank you guys. Next time, let's talk about PTA and Fiona Apple and yes. cocaine. Oh, right, we didn't even get to Fiona Apple. Yes. We'll, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do a we'll follow up. We'll do a follow up. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks so much, guys. Peace. Love you guys. Peace. Brain Best Brain Brain Anything by Cassavetes Give me brackets Brain Best Brain Experimental film Brain Reduced black ratio Brain Get me brackets.